So I thought I was the queen of Airbnb. Check the profile. I visited all the places. However, how can I truly be a queen if I have never been a host? Didn't even think about it, y'all. It's time to think about it because my place is cute. Why not share? I know. I got you thinking about it now. All right. Well, don't think about it. Be about it. Find out how you can be a host at Airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey y'all, it's Unpaid Bill from Team Supreme. For this classic episode of Questlove Supreme, we are speaking with the incredible, the only, George Cliff of Parliament Funkadelic. In part one, George updates QLS on some things going on with his music while taking a look back at his incredible 65-year career. This was taped in mid-2020 during those early days of the pandemic, so Team Supreme was still learning to get along virtually. But the quality of the conversation is amazing. I love this one. Hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Funk Upon a Time in a galaxy far away in a land of cheesesteak-utopia. Well, <laughs> well, the five-year-old Afro-head boy with dreams, uh, aspirations, and power of creative abundance, and he wished upon a star one day that this youngin' would use, utilize his talents so that one day he could bug and pester the bejesus out of his musical idols who raised him. And this is that moment, ladies and gentlemen. You know the show, <laughs> you know the crew, you know Fonte, you know Shook Steve, Unpaid Bill, Laia, let us get into it. This is the moment I've been waiting for all my life. My first real conversation with God himself. George, oh, shit. <laughs> yes, yes, all of that, all yeah. of that. <laughs> North Carolina's that's, that's in the building. That sounds like some shit I wanted to say to Smokey Robinson when I was growing up in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, no. I hear you. I hear you, you know. <laughs> uh, no, man, this, this is a rare moment where, you know, I have access to somebody that has had major input on my all of our creative juices. I mean, all of us are everybody. We all your sons uh, and daughters. And daughters. <laughs> Damn. Damn. So. Illegitimate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll try not to make it this like it's your eulogy, but you know, this this is definitely an honor for us. Where where are you right now? 
I'm at home. I'm in Tallahassee, Florida. I'm sitting back here kicking it, and I've been painting and shit. I've been chilling. This has been the restful part of my life. Really? So you going, look good, man. I ain't, I ain't going nowhere. Good, good. <laughs> Stay in that bubble wrap. <laughs> no, I'm not cool. Is this the first real rest that you, you've gotten? You know, since I was a teenager. Wow. I put it like that. We've been on the road you know, since we was 22 when Testify came out. Right. Okay. I had never left the road since then. We lived on the road and moved to city to city mm-hmm. and, you know, raised kids, got married, moved country to city, you know. But this t- is probably the longest that we've been down and not doing anything. And you're not you know, mad at it at all, are you? Are you? Oh, hell no, because I had to do it this time. So I take it like, I, I don't stress myself. If I can't do nothing about it, I do the best I can and funk it. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, got, I have a good excuse to paint. And we make music. I mean, we, we send shit back and forth online to each other. Studio only about five miles from here, but I send this shit down there. Mm-hmm. And back, I don't even chance that shit. But... Oh no, I'm I'm happy I go fishing. Yeah, I was gonna say I know you're big on fishing. Like, are you doing a lot of that now? Oh, I, oh hell yeah. That's the only thing I sneak to the boat, get on the boat, we mask up, <laughs> but I do a lot of that. Okay. I've been I've been chilling yeah. for real. Just um, you know, luckily been chilling that you know ready for this time. Right. Okay. Because we got a lot of shit that's getting ready to come out when this thing go down. Right. We was working on some bad shit, you know, with the group. The kids, they was killing it, and we was getting ready to do some hell of our shit, but it's good because it gave us a chance to sit down and get it together and do it properly. That's good. It's yeah. good to hear. At the same time, you know, I just got a lot of my catalog back, you know. With, Congratulations. Hey. Yes. Wait, you finally got it back? Oh, yeah, I got it back. Now I'm going, getting ready to go through some things to, to publicize it. You're going to see it. Um, Ben Crump is is my lawyer on you know civil rights part of it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Oh, so ben Crump, what, will for, what will this mean for Funketeers everywhere? Like, are we going hey, to all of them? I'm a, matter of fact, I want everybody that has worked with us that that got a be, got a beef, you know, contact uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. Mm-hmm. We all okay. we all doing this together. She want me to get all the people that has a beef together. So we can make a um, one proper announcement. All those people get their copyrights back. They can get them back right now. They, uh, you know, recapture their copyrights. You, you said know, I don't have them. Lee? Oh no, this is this. I'm telling you, this is it's civil you. rights. This, this is going to be a civil right. Yeah, like I said. Yeah. How long has yeah. this battle been happening? Well, I've been I've been in the battle almost thirty years, but I've I've been you know fighting to get it to that level of you know, get it to where the um, Congress, I was with John Conyers. He took it up for a long time. You know, we couldn't get nothing passed. But now, every, you know, it's the copyright capture thing is over now. So I got a lot of minds in on time. And a lot of other people got theirs in, they just don't know it. And, okay. they're, not tell, and they're not telling them that they right. got to try to make them think that they have to fight it. Some, they don't have to fight it. It's theirs now. So we're going to make a, a big announcement, that especially everybody with us, but not only us, but a lot of people that work with us, even the people that sample the music, they've been in it long enough now for some of their rights to be coming back to them. Yeah. You yeah. know, 
Prince mm-hmm. Prince got his back, you know. Right. And so it's that it's that time in this generational wealth is what it's about. Talk about you can't it. you can't pass yes, it indeed. on to your heirs if they tie you up, which is what they're trying to do. Right. You know, trying to make it, it there's a whole new law thing going on that you know you they tell you just how to do it. And we got the help, we got to write a report that Shirley Jackson Lee explained all those things that needed done. So if you know anybody that's stuff that's that's having a problem with their copyright recapture, yeah, they should definitely get in touch with Ben Crump uh, and uh, Cheryl Jackson Lee or myself. Wow. So does this mean that for the first time, your post seventy six Funkadelic catalog will finally see the light of day? Like, yeah, we, we've not One Nation, seen One Nation Under Groove, or Uncle Jam, or Hardcore Jellies. I, I got that album, that master back, Knee Deep. I got those back. I own those two. Yeah. I, yes. I, I, was, yes. I was hesitant to put them out till I got them all off the market. People that, that was putting them out illegally I had to clean it up first. So I got, I own those, been on those for a long time, but lawyers were keeping me from getting to them. You know, but I got those, in, especially Knee Deep in One Nation. That's right. why you hear so much about and Atomic Dog. Even your capital stuff? I got Atomic Dog, the, the computer game. So Loopzilla, all that stuff? Yeah, so now we, we put all of them in, and that's what we're making sure that the, that whole catalog recapture thing is, a re, you know, it's it's true for Elvis Presley and his family. It's true for John Lennon and his family. So it needs to be true for everybody. That, that's, that ain't got nothing to do with race. So what does this also mean for the, the Westbound catalog? Same thing. Yo! Same yes. thing. So is Armin Baladian, is he still alive? Is he still alive? Armin yeah, Baladian? He's still, he's still alive. He's still alive. And and all that, that all that's going to become on. a big issue. It's, it's going to be a big issue because it's, you read the book, yeah. My, yeah. the book I put out? Uh-huh. You read the Jane Peters thing in the back. That's yes. what, that's, you got to explain to our audience. Like, yeah. And that's the thing. Y'all lost like, us at I, recapture. So I want to treat, <laughs> I'm going to try to not ask such obscure questions because this is not my just level you, of, of knowledge might be above. So I might have to break it down. Can you explain to them the, the situation? Right now, I'm so elated that, that you own this stuff now. I know you've been trying for the, the longest book, to own this. Yeah. I, I had a, the book, the Brothers Be Your Like George, Ain't That Funny Kind of Hard on You. You know, that came out. And it was out for a while, and they, they took me to court on that book. So I'm still in court five years later. I'm Wait, still even in for court. the book? For the book. Why? Yeah, Why? I mean, the, the thing was to kill that information, to kill the information in that book. They said that defamation of Armin, because I told everything that was he already said himself, you know, in deposition. But, yeah, they got me in court right now. The main thing is to keep it slowed down to where I can make no moves. You know, long I've been in court for the last 15 years with my lawyers and and him and Armin and um the the major record companies. So all of that's coming to a head now because we they're gonna investigate the whole copyright recapture. We got ours back, but we need everybody to get out of the way to let us right. make those collections. Because it's still hard to collect from the different societies if you know if you ain't got just a powerful oh, yeah. set of people behind you, 
And lawyers, you know, that's pretty hard for them because they got to be in business. They got business with the company, so they mess up their business trying to protect you, mm-hmm. especially a catalog as big as ours. There's a lot. Nobody don't. Nobody want to get at up what they've been stealing with that. They don't, <laughs> go down fighting. That's a lot of, you're talking about a lot of years, a lot of careers of people that sample those songs, use those songs, mm-hmm. uh, license those songs that we mm-hmm. never, not only myself, but none of the band members, you hear them all talking, no, they didn't get their money. I agree with them. They didn't get it. So I'm sorry, just for clarification, you saying that, you guys never received anything from any of these songs until... No, no, no. I ain't going to say uh-huh. never received anything. I'm talking about that sampling and that and licensing publishing. stuff. Uh-huh. No, we don't. We're not. We don't been participating in, in that at all. We, You know, we got Atomic Dog recently, in the last three years. Okay. But uh, no, no. I mean, the money to I've keep been fighting, off of that alone. Since, even since I got it, I've been fighting my own lawyers. To, exp- to get the money that's owed to me for it. The main thing was to get it out of my possession. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they did that for a long while, but I bought it and I got it. I got it back, paid $4 million to my own lawyer. Wow. He's supposed to take that pay. I so paid just, and got it back. Just to clarify, what I was going to say is probably the most endearing thing about your personality is the fact and your business acumen was the fact that you were so open to working with rappers. Cause unlike your counterpart and I use this word lightly, of course, you know, people consider the, the pillars of soul music and funk you and James Brown, James Brown's attitude towards it was, well, I hate samplers sample, you know, rappers sampling my music and all that stuff, but really not seeing that, that's going to just bring it back and make it. And you called it early in an interview, like even in the mid eighties that no, I, I like, they asked you like, what do you think about, you know, De La Soul taking, you know, knee deep for me, myself and I, and you were so open to it. You're like, that's great because what it will do is it'll lead a whole flock of people to my music and to my concerts and whatnot. Like you saw the vision of it. So it's not that you're anti sampling and restructuring the music. But no, the fact just that just pay so, me my money. Yeah, so many people no, have no, had no, their hands no. in the pot. <laughs> yeah. To yeah, you know, right. Copyright the sampling part of it. The sampling part of it, I welcome. I welcome the sampling part of it. Right. You know, it, it, they got them too. Most of them didn't get paid either. Oh, dude, you know what I, I'm I've gotten bit by Armin a few times. <laughs> and almost, and, and we never got anything that and he was doing that on behalf of us. He supposedly we never, but he never got did any it. of it. Got any of it? So no, that's what's happening. And now that's getting it to be opened up, and everybody will be able to see that nobody in the band got their money. All the other artists that had, you know, all the companies band together on those sampling because right. nobody wanted to acknowledge it. So now it's going to come out because we didn't fade away. We didn't die off. We're supposed to be out of here by now. Yeah. But we said One Nation Under the Groove. We meant that. We Uncle Jam's Army. We was on the march then. And the clones, with the sampling to me, was just the clones. You have to have DNA clones to make something new. That's what making the music. We said clones of Dr. Funkenstein. We meant yes. that that far back. We knew it wasn't going to be music on television. You know how they sell those 
KTEL packages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, you didn't have to worry about that no more. Nobody got paid for that. The new thing was going to be samples, and they didn't know how far they was going to get away with it. Not the artists that do it. Kids going to make music whatever way they can, whatever new way they have to, they going to make music. And I'm welcome that. I just have to learn how to participate, how to hang in there. But the business people around that used us against each other. You know, that he don't want you to sample it. He he charging you. Most artists wouldn't even talk to me. They were scared to talk to me because they thought that I was mad about the samples. Oh, they no. told him, you know, and, and Armin was suing them. Yeah, that was Armin, you know, not you. So everybody knew that, but like I said, it's coming out now. Well, that's um, beautiful. And, yeah, they, and they sued me for the book. In the book, you know, I'm the last one in five years. Everybody else that got sued with me got off, but I'm still there. Right. You know, hoping <laughs> I would go away. That's what I did. Shake, uh, shake the gate and Medicaid fraud dog. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I did those two albums just to reignite my energy. You know, to start to, to get the kids going, and the, the, and I, that's how inspired I was. Once I got the book out, I'm ready to make brand new music with whatever we're going from here. This is a new generation. You know, I'm Love glad it. you mentioned that. Normally, I start from the beginning, but I think for this particular one, I kind of wanted to start go backwards. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the uh, the Medicaid fraud dog project. Can you? For one, what is your obsession or what is the the ideology behind dogs being main characters? <laughs> the metaphor, or the meta, the metaphor. Yeah, your metaphors for everything. But because that album in particular is such a clever outlet, like political commentary, but using dogs as your main characters. What what was the genesis of that? Album I did called Dope Dogs. Right. Yes, indeed. Okay. Dope Dogs, I have a whole story for that. That I wanted to do cartoons, animation, and everything. But I never would give it to anybody because I have all the characters. And so I tried to do as many, you know, dog-related songs just to keep that concept alive. So I use it in Medicaid Fraud Dog because it was um, based on laboratory studies on dogs when they used to do studies on dogs for perfumes and shit like that. Remember, mm-hmm. that's where the dope dogs come from. Not only the drug dogs, but this time the dogs were sniffing out the political bullshit the, in, in the, um, um, the Obamacare, you know, all the different mm-hmm. names they want to call it. Affordable the, care. Uh, political drug scene. Everything is about dope. Everything is about drugs. The whole world is talking about how they're going to get their Medicaid. Okay, and so that whole thing, the dog is sniffing out that information. And most of us are being hooked on stuff, on medicine, and create new diseases with the drugs they give us. They're giving us certain drugs, and those drugs give you side effects, which would be a whole new flock of patients. <laughs> right. Okay, now they do. The side they, effects they, be they worse do. than the disease. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And it's designer, designer yeah. side effects. It's like designer drugs. That's the era we live in now where we evolve into some, you know, between robots, androids, humans. That's just going to be a blurred line in a minute. You know, it's, yeah. you know, and I've been waiting on this. <laughs> so the dog, take a dog to sniff that out. The instincts of a dog is primal. You know, whether it's mating or whether it's sniffing out whatever you train it to sniff out. 
<laughs> I love and if it. You, I, if he, and if he's sniffing out the drugs, you get high from sniffing on drugs. So the dogs <laughs> get a habit. They, so they have to, you know, the dogs be all doped up. So these are the dogs, the characters I got, this dope dog. They all got their own relationship to drugs, whether it's a police dog or whether it's a dope dealer who like to make their dogs fight. And the, dog, and the dogs are like, shit, you know, you used to give me a reward. You know, you used to give me a, a, a joint <laughs> a or a sniff or a, a treat. You know, that's how, they tra- that's how they train the dogs. So now they don't even want to get a dog no treat. <laughs> you know, so these dogs get together and they got their own, like, you know, remember the Ninja Turtles? <laughs> these dogs are like that. You know, kind of like Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, they, and they they got a thing on drugs. They they don't, you know, they impartial to the political bull, you know discrepancies. They just deal with drugs. So um, that's my part, my partiality to fucking with dogs and drugs. Right. A time <laughs> while makes see, sense now. I get, I get it. Wait till you hear the news. You know, she got more dogs for us. <laughs> oh, I got one that's coming. I got one that's coming out that's better. That's gonna hurt you. Oh man! <laughs> really? Oh yeah, Udo. You, you know it's gonna be they gonna be stepping on it. You know how they be doing, dancing to Atomic Dog? Uh-huh. Yeah. They, they gonna, gonna be stepping they on gonna this be one. On, they gonna be stepping on this one. They gonna nice. be stepping on. They gonna be stepping on this one here. Is, is, is I dare your booty not to move. Oh, your yeah. butt, your butt, your butt will betray you. <laughs> I love when that happens. I love it. You know what I'm saying? When, when, when one cheat shake by itself and you ain't got nothing involuntary. I do, sir. You know? What's happening? That's just, just twerking. Yeah, yeah. It's twer- twerking. How, how long did it take to make the uh, the Medicaid Fraud Dog album? You know, I, I use songs. I mean, I know I, it's th- 38 years, but since the last parliament record, but. Well, between that one, Shake the Gate, and that, it took about three years. You know, but I had a couple of songs that I was holding on to that I'd done maybe five or six years ago that I just kept them, kept them till I got them right. I did them a thousand different ways. But Medicaid fraud, when I got the concept together, I got Fred Wesley down there. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, Chris Days. You know, I knew the people that I needed for that outside flavor mm-hmm. to what we was doing now. And we were sampling our own self by now. We had learned everybody else was sampling, and then everybody got scared to sample anymore. So we started sampling ourselves. You're, and, I um, think you're your best sample source. So <laughs> that's only yeah, right. But you know, it, it still is it's an art form to picking that shit out. <laughs> Listen, Black representation is essential. If I hadn't seen and heard certain Black women in radio, I wouldn't be in radio. Women like Robin Breeden, Candy Shannon, Michelle Wright. Deanna Williams, women owning radio stations like Kathy Hughes. Listen, the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Word. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. 
Each episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I feel silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. How many reels do you reckon of just unused source material do you have? And can we have them? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because for me, for me, like my all-time favorite P-Funk song is New Spaceship, a song ah. which musically yeah. was created 20 years before you even completed it in 97. So how many right. other like uncooked so, ideas do you have just sitting in the vault that could come out today and still work? Have you heard Have you heard the sample some of this and sample some of that? All right, I, I have a slight confessional. Yes. So check this out. I purchased sample some of this, sample some of that. Never opened it because <laughs> I think in my mind, I always thought, well, this is probably throwaway stuff. And, you know, I'm sure that all the prime P-Funk stuff is on actual P-Funk records. And so it wasn't until I talked to DJ Premier, this is about four or five years ago, and I asked him a question about a sample. It was a Nas sample. And he says, oh, yeah, these drums I got. Because my favorite premiere sounding drums, I asked, like, where do you get these drums from? And he said, the George Clinton sample some of this, some of that, Pat. Like, so Nas's represent drums come from that. Practically all of the Hard to Earn album, the <laughs> drums come from that. Some of J. Rue's second album, uh, uh, Wrath of the Math, 
Mm-hmm. Rather I was bad. mind blown. And then when I went to it, I wanted to kick myself because like I it took me 15, 16 years to open up this record. <laughs> and if I just had the patience and just sat down and listened to it, I could have been ahead of the game. But you know, Eric Sermon used to use it a lot too. Yes, I, I gave yes. I gave I gave him a copy of it down at Dallas Austin studio. Yeah. And most people, like you say, you said they didn't open it because people like if you give it to them, then it's not interesting. They they have to find it. So right. it took a lot of people a long time to even look at it because we were saying here. Now, what I was saying about that album is that most of where those samples came from, we have the whole tracks to those songs. Those are songs. A lot of them came out on the family series, but mm. a lot of them never came out at all. So those that's what a lot of those samples came from songs that weren't released, you know, except for maybe some of them was in the, the family series, which a lot of people don't know about those either. Well, I was going to say, even with the family series, okay, so there, there are some ca- Captain Obvious questions I'm going to ask you. The Junie Morrison song on that family series. Um, Super Spirit. Super Spirit. I think that's the most eccentric, creative moment and in a life that was always eccentric. Can you talk about Junie Morrison and how, like, what's his, what's the process of his creativity? At least how did oh you, my God. <laughs> how did you utilize it? Me and him, we did like Prince and myself. I do my part and send it to you. You do your part and send it back. We didn't question either. Whatever I did was okay. Whatever he did, I, I knew. I just had to figure out what my part was. And that's to me. <laughs> we started to doing. It's a song on that family. She's called Triune. Yes. Yeah. That's when we actually was getting ready to actually come up with a concept. He thought I was weird, and I thought he was weird. <laughs> so we got along really good on the the weirdness part of it, and <laughs> we couldn't get quite together, you know, because of the political stuff that was going on around us that we had no idea who was actually being orchestrated, you know, and um, that's a whole other story like we could talk about later. But we could never get together, even when we were doing computer games. I was, you know, of course, you know, at the time I was into my drug thing, but I always could manage to figure a way to work, to get the work done. But you can't get the work done and watch people that's, you know, intentionally trying to keep you from getting the work done. That's a little more than you bargain for when you say, I'm, I'm getting fucked up. You don't realize when you get fucked <laughs> up, you fuck up everything. <laughs> you know, everything <laughs> around you get fucked up. You know, it takes you a minute to grow up, if, you know, to get out of that if you, unless you can wiggle your ass out of it before you get mm-hmm. too old. But that's what the junior and I had a lot of stuff we was, was going to do. And even like a Medicaid fraud dog. I had to call him, get him out of retirement. Right. You know, mm. you know, he wasn't trying to do nothing. He was doing some electronic music, but he wasn't trying to deal with the business. But I got him. Same thing when we did um, we did um, to poor phone. Got got Bootsy. Right. And him, the, the you know the summer swim, the summer summer swim song. I okay. know every time I do a song with him, it's gonna be a a, a level of of cleverness and real and you know intentional he know what he's doing 
He can do what yeah. he wanted. You know, he do what he wants to do. Once he analyzes what era we in, that's all we, we have to think about is what era is this? It's not our old days. It's new. What are they doing now? What is the field? He analyzed it like that. And he used to come up with the range of whatever the kids, and we relate to kids. I think I said that before. I always try to relate to mm-hmm. nine, 10, 11, and 12. Them the mm-hmm. ones you call bubble gum, they get on your nerve, everything they think about. But if you notice, that's the music that always comes back. The music that gets on your nerve that, you know, how could they get away with this? That's the way it was when we came out with pow, 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 pow. What the hell are y'all talking about? <laughs> that was doo Same thing come along. <laughs> you know, kids take it back to elementary. And it, 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 it meant to get on your nerve to get your OS out of the way. But if you, <laughs> you pay attention to them, I'm dancing with you as long as I can. But otherwise, I'm going to recognize it and try to hang, at least paying attention to what they do. I can spot a, a, a young artist even not knowing anything about it, I, I would have bet my life on, let's say, Rihanna with SOS. Right. Mm-hmm. Cardi B, as soon as I heard her, there's a certain type of style that's meant to provoke, and, but certain people have an artistic thing about it. Mm-hmm. Certain people can take, like Frank Zappa. Right. He could do, he could go all the way out with, but he was intelligent as hell with what he was doing. And he, he wasn't even doing drugs. That's that's a really, <laughs> that's the funny part. <laughs> that's that's really out there. Was was that always your theory? Because a lot of, I'll say that a lot of the themes of your initial wave of funkadelic of P funk were Three blind mice. Yeah, the, laced in yeah. nursery rhymes and limericks. Yeah, and, and but me and Bernie, Bernie, myself, always thought cartoons. Was, you know, cartoons use classical music, okay? And, you know, so Bernie could play anything he wanted to play, in him, and at the, the height of it, I don't care how intense and intellectual it gets, he could still play Mary Had a Little Lamb in there. He, wow. that, that's how comfortable he was, you know, in the jazz thing. He had His time was impeccable. He was just free to do what he wanted to do. And at the same time, we had a Eddie Hazel and Billy Bass who was probably the funkiest, rawest kids, and then Gary Scheider later on, they were church kids. They all went to church together. You know, Glenn Gorn, they, the whole neighborhood was, and they was all 14, 15 when I met them. I was at a barber shop. They hung out and bought Billy his first guitar. Eddie his. Not Eddie had a guitar, but I bought Billy his first one. Okay. Really? So, you, brought, you brought Eddie Hazel his first guitar? Not Eddie's first. Eddie had one. He, oh, had okay, okay. Gibson, he had the big Gibson, but he was like 15 years old. I bought him his first rock and roll, and he played the big Gibson for a long time. Really? But when he, <laughs> when he got to the studio, you know, yeah, I had to get him all, because we didn't know. We we played with the Vanilla Fudge, and they had them big yes. amps, and, and they let us use that shit, and we heard what we sounded like. We went back to Manny's in New York and bought everything. We, we spent all the money we had. <laughs> and got the loudest. We was the loudest motherfucking band in in all of the East Coast. I mean, we. Had I wonder. Amp- oh, I was. I said I wanted to ask you. You had mentioned him in passing. Glenn Goins. He was like my favorite singer out of the camp. I mean, oh his voice God. was amazing, and he died so young. What was his story? Kind of. What, 
What was his deal? He, him, him, Gary, Shady, all in the, like I said, they all went to church together. He was a mm-hmm. um, a, a Rance Allen freak. Really? Ah. He, he, yeah. Oh man, that was he. Him and him and uh, what's DJ Rogers? They saw yes. the background. They saw really? the background for for Bobby Womack. Okay. Wow. And they were showing out so much in the background. Bobby said, "This is the Bobby. <laughs> this is the Bobby show. This is not y'all show." He fired both of them. <laughs> That's when Glenn. <laughs> That's when Glenn came with us. You know, Gary them said, "You know, he was playing background with you know Bobby Womack." He said, um, "But he go, he, he ain't got no job." And Gary and Eddie, and now Eddie can sing his ass up. When Eddie say somebody can sing. You really want to hear what they sound like. Eddie Hazel can sing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come he, how come he didn't do that dreaming, much right? singing, though? That's him singing California lot. Dreaming, right? Yeah, yeah he sung California Dreaming. He sung uh, uh, Up for the Downstroke. Um, he sung a lot of stuff with us. You ever hear Oh Lord, Why Lord? Oh Lord, Why Lord. Oh Lord, Why Lord. No, no, oh, I'm sorry, take that back. Father, open our eyes. Yeah, oh, that's him yeah. singing backwards. Okay. That's Eddie singing it. No, it's, it, 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 you can you can hear four or two. They, they yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. yeah. So that, okay, because well, I know that uh, that's open our eyes backwards on uh, not um, the Lord's prayer. Eulogy and light. Eulogy and light. Yeah, but have you heard it forward? Yeah, yeah, I've heard the four version. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But so that that group used to practice in my barbershop that made the gospel clefts. They from Newark. Mm. They used to practice in the barbershop. And so that's wow. why we was partial. To, we was partial to that song, you know, uh, <laughs> the gospel clefts. They was they was something else. And um, Eddie just, you know, we would jump from gospel to, you know, anything. That's what we did when we did "Free Your Mind, Your Ass Will Follow." We was never going to get caught in the position of having to follow up. I want to testify, you know, forty-five trying to mm-hmm. get another forty-five. We went so far out. Cause I mean, remember that we was at Motown and that during that time, so we know how to make a straight record, how right. to make a clean record, and we knew what was. We intentionally, you know, got wrecked, got tripped out, and just free your mind, your ass will follow. You know, we just, we, you know, you got Martha the Bandella singing in the background. I don't, I don't even know if she wanted to admit when? it. <laughs> I'm free wow. your mind. What? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, what? we was. I'm telling you, we had. All of them was doing that. They didn't. Uh, what, what's his name? Um, Dennis Coffee. Dennis yeah. Coffee. Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He played on. I got a thing. Uh, I got a thing. Yeah. I got a thing. He played on quite a few of the songs. You know, Dennis Coffee. Really. <laughs> the engineers didn't want to have his name put on the on the record of, of Maggie Brain because we, you know, I was doing so much feedback and. Circling, you know, sound on sound. Right. And I ain't know what the fuck I ain't know what the fuck I was doing. I was just doing <laughs> what sounded like Jimi Hendrix. You know, and, yeah. and as long as I kept it out of kept it out of the red, you know, I was cool. And so I did I did it and the engineer wouldn't wouldn't even put his name on the record. So and like, years <laughs> later he, he was like <laughs> You were engineer's nightmare even back then? Like Oh, oh hell yeah. I was really <laughs> They were dressing up in those lab coats and still trying to maintain levels and all those things. And you oh, just... they, they, they're trying to be, you know, keep it normal. But I, I mean, all the way up to flashlight, 
I told him when we did the hand claps on flashlight, mm-hmm. I wanted the hand claps to be so loud that if you ran your hand across the CD, you feel a bump in it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's, I'm going all over the place. Yeah. I'm going all over nah, the place. Nah, this is, yo, this, bro. Just you, let him talk. This is 60 years of music, bro. Like, we're not going to get it. <laughs> no, I'm saying just rapid fire. Like, yeah, just it's go. Too much, those, are, those, are the kind of, those are the kind of things that we, you know, the baseline, Bernie was imitating Larry Graham on a Moog. Really? First of all, you, yeah. hadn't, heard, you hadn't heard no Moogs do nothing but make sound effects. You heard them make sound effects, but you didn't nobody actually play the bass line, play like a bass. Bernie right. had so much interpretation of the mini move and the, the pro soloist. He could imitate anything. He could joy with something, they program it and write it out. And he'd be turning off while Bernie's playing. And he could play like a bass player, like on Flashlight. And we made Bernie the lead instrument. The bass is the lead instrument on Flashlight. And the hand claps is the backup. And, and Flashlight is just like you, Bernie, and it's Bootsy. who's playing Bootsy, guitar on it? Bootsy and his Bootsy. brother. Bootsy, Bootsy and his Bootsy brother. Catfish. Okay. Yeah. Bootsy told me that he's playing drums on Flashlight. Is that true? Yeah, he's playing drums on Flashlight. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. He played drums on quite a few. Yeah. You know, and our 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 bass player Boogie played drums on a, quite a few of his ballads. You know, um, the slow oh, songs. Ballads. Okay. Yeah, and Gary Cooper, Gary Cooper, he played. Love drums. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait, wait. You you brought up Glenn Goins earlier, and there's so many singers in the the P Funk sphere that we can name, <laughs> but dare I ask you? Of all of the singers represented in that army, and that means Gary, down to Felipe Wynn, to yeah. Junie, to Don, yeah, even uh, to Ray Don Davis, Silva, yeah. For your money, yeah. Who is your? Who is your Michael Jordan? Who is your? Who is the singer? And this, this is everyone. Singer, wow, that singer. It was going. It would be Gary and Junie. Because of the creativity, not only the, the the you know the the singing voice, they could come up with parts, and and Junie could come up with lyrics, parts, and, and sing it. So I mean, <laughs> um, but then there's a, a lot of me you you can't take away from Lynn uh, Mabry. Lynn Mabry, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's like excellent when the and Gary Cooper. You put Gary, you get, yes. Gary, you get Gary, Peanut, and Gary, them three together. You can do anything. Can we I never ask- got a chance to. We never got a chance to see all what Glenn was going to do. He did everything yeah. in about two years that he did with us. Were you involved in that Quasar album that he did? No, no. that's the, okay. that's when they. That's, he was. He had three months to live when he got with us. He was with us three years. And then he left, and they did the Quasar album, you know. And then they um, think they did the Mutiny album. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to do with either one of those. And he died at twenty four. Like to me, still, it's yeah. like when I hear wow. when I hear Glenn Goins' voice, he I'm sounds grown, thinking, he? like forty seven. <laughs> <laughs> somebody daddy. Yeah, he sounds like somebody. <laughs> no, he, that's what I'm saying. He he had that Rance Allen thing on him. And he had complete control over any tone that come out of his mouth. 
Wow. You know. Back to 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 Mudbone. Gary, Gary, in my opinion, is your best animated voice sounding character. How how are you able? Because you know, uh most music fans don't even know that uh that Gary is the voice of uh the group Sly Fox, uh Let's Go All the Way. Right. Of which you know, that was a big hit in 1985, and he's singing in his natural voice. But right. how are you able to convince uh, your, your, your frontline army to adapt to these new voices? And the same for Bootsy Collins as well. Like, how are you able to tell them, like, adapt your voice to more of an animated tone? Because to me, like, Mudbone has one of the greatest animated voices ever. Well, when we when we was on the road, when, and when you got momentum going for you, when you're on the road and you in that zone, they call it. Mm-hmm. And we had the character of um, Sir Nose. We had the yes. character of uh, Mr. Wiggles. Um, Mr. Wiggles, the uh, Casper, the friendly ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, we we was into making cartoon rhinestone rock star monster of a da baby baba. We was into making toy music. You know. So it was easy for Bone to go into it. Mr. Gucci, why you asking like stars, Mr. Gucci? Baby, we had a thing. We was on, <laughs> in that zone. We was writing cartoons then. That's why Motor Booty Affair is a motion picture underwater. Yes, you know. He did it. The rhythm it takes to, you know, that. Oh, that's from you know that's from your boy Jocko from Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I bit off of that. And when I saw DJs was getting ready to be the thing, uh, and that's when we did Mothership Connection. I was imitating Frankie Crocker and, and Jocko and all of them. Ah. So I could tell DJ was beginning to be the thing because they was cutting them off on the radio. They started to play five songs and no commercials. And right. you start missing you start missing that DJ talking to a dedicated song to your girl and that, that, that all that. Mm. Uh, DJs started getting political, especially in Philly, Georgie Woods. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was my boy. <laughs> you know, so we intentionally played our own record on our record. W-E-F-U-N-K, mm-hmm. we funk. Hey, we you know, funk. And then Chocolate Cody Freaky and Habit forming. That, 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 that was all the shit that you heard on your favorite DJ. You wasn't hearing it on the radio no more. So I mean, let me hear it for me. We love to funk you. All of that was our version of DJ. And soon as we did that, they started having what you call DJ pools. You started taking your record to the DJs, pool, and they yeah. would tell you they record pools. They would tell you mm-hmm. who records should get played. You really? know, radio was okay. like that. And then no sooner than that, then hip hop came along. And said, Fuck it, we just <laughs> be DJs on record, and and that's what it's at. Mothership connection. I I have to ask. Uh, have to ask. It sounds like he got a three on it to me. What does what does that mean? <laughs> you know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, heard some, I heard some Doobie Brothers. It was cool. But can you imagine all Doobie in your phone? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like he got a three on it to me. All it was was that what we called it a uh, trendy chemical substance. Whatever mm. was trending at that time, whatever the chemical substance was happening, that's where we were at. You know, it was just that language that people was conveying with you know, street talk. And they do it mm-hmm. nowadays too. It just seem harsher because they're kids. 
they're gonna make it worse than yours. They're gonna do mm-hmm. outdo your ass no matter how bad you did it. <laughs> they're gonna get you just do you. <laughs> I don't even say nothing to them because if you say something to them, you're gonna make them do it worse. They know they got your attention. You know, yeah. so but that's what it was. Trendy chemical substance. I did bad three on it. Funk would take a ten. There it is. Is it true that for the uh for maggot brain that you told Eddie Hazel to play like his mom had died? I I always heard yeah. that story, but I never. Yeah, knew. that was true. Was that was that true? That was true. Wow. And he said, "Fuck you." <laughs> but I knew, <laughs> I knew that once I said it, he understood the intense because all it was was a, a regular three chord blue song ain't too much but when you if he played it psychedelically like he could do it and with all the echo plexes we had on it and he was beginning to to manipulate the echo plex and i was manipulating the echo plex in the studio on top of his so it was just a vibe he could play all of the blues and soul like jimmy was doing all that he wanted and all those echoes on top of each other Boy, that was some brilliant shit, especially when you took the instrument, other instruments out. Take the bass yeah. and drums out. You ain't got nothing but a rhythm guitar and the lead. You could take up all the space with all those delays. And it worked pretty Man. real good with Eddie because he was so soulful. Any sound he made, was you felt it. <laughs> you were born in North Carolina, correct? In Kannapolis? Was it Kannapolis? Kannapolis. Right outside of Charlotte, Kannapolis. Oh, yeah. I'm from Greensboro, so I know. Oh, my <laughs> God. I got a whole bunch of family in Greensboro right now. I got what? a whole bunch of family. I got a whole bunch of family. Sisters, nieces, brothers. You might be Greenboro. connected, Fonte. It might be. Yeah, man, nah, <laughs> yeah. that's home. So How wait, did you get from... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead today, I was going to say, you're born in North Carolina, but I've been to Plainfield a lot, and that's all they talk about is y'all and you. So it's interesting. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's two different towns that got that you the pride of. But no, I came from North Carolina, probably about ten years old, into Virginia, Chase City, Virginia. And about ten, I went to Newark, New Jersey. Okay. And that's where I went to school. That Newark, I went to you know Avon. That was Southside, same school. Shaq went to Savas. Oh, yeah. Okay, I went there, but I had a barbershop ten miles outside of Newark, which is Plainfield. I never lived there. I just had the barbershop. I used to travel there every morning on the bus. <laughs> and you the pride of Plainfield. That's so funny. <laughs> and and Plainfield was like suburbia. It was like, yeah. you know, for rich folks, you know, middle class people. Yeah, and, and then he got a really funk, got a really funky hit in the, the late sixties and early seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, that they riots and everything, but it was some soulful folk there. Mm-hmm. You, you you know what? It just hit me. I worked with Nona Hendrix on a project of a couple, a couple years, a few decades back. She <laughs> told me that you were her original hairdresser. Is that hair true? Dress, I did. What you say? <laughs> I did her and Patty's. What you mean? You, you say wow. you're not using a hot comb? What I you saying? No, he, to, he, no, no, no. I used to wave hair. They used to have, you know, waves close to the head. Oh, you used to make the finger but, waves. The finger waves. The finger waves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and she was she's living Philly uh, and Trenton. Yeah, yeah, I did both of them's hair, and I, you know, we 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 worked together for years though. No, I didn't know this hair in Paris, you know, years later, just for, for you know for a magazine, you know, PR. But um, her and Patty, Sarah, they were like neighborhood funk. They was funking a long time. <laughs> Parliament started in 56. 
I think they might have started in like 59. Really? So you, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's crazy. Let me. me ask you something. Yes. Was your, was your family Leandro in the hearts? My father was Leandro's, yes. Okay, I thought so, yeah. Now, I, yeah, I go that far back. Yeah when, I, yeah, when I read that in the book, man, I was like, wow, this is, my dad would <laughs> love this. Like, my dad gets mentioned in, in Divided Soul in George's book. Well, oh, no, no, explain man. to me your, like, I know that the parliament started off in, uh, as a doo-wop group, as typical for the day. Could you just explain like that 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 what that environment was like with trying to break into doo wop and really I want to really? I'm obsessed I'm obsessed with Ray Davis for me more than Melvin Franklin more than Barry White more than anyone with a deep yeah. voice Ray Davis to me is the, the yeah, ultimate bass singer how did you guys like form well we, we formed like you know most kids in grade school. I had two or three other people in the band before them. But by the time we got to that lineup, we went out to Detroit, audition, didn't make it, but I ended up writing songs for them. Then I did a song called I Wanna Testify. And I did that song with Ron Banks from the Dramatics. Wow. Pat Pat Lewis from the Hot Butter and Soul, mm -hmm. myself, and the guy named Eddie from the Holidays. That was the background because Parliament couldn't make it out to Detroit. We got a hit record on that song, and that was the beginning. That record carried us out into the world. I'm going to testify. Like I said, we, Vanilla Fudge, Lindsay Guitars, and Amps, <laughs> that changed our life. We became Funkadelic that night. We was getting tied up with the record companies with the name Parliament. Couldn't use the name. So we took our backup band, which was Billy, Eddie, and Bernie them, and made them Funkadelic. We became their backup singers. That's why you see the five of them on the Funkadelic, first Funkadelic album. Right. But that, that's how I did it with the record companies. And when Funk Parliament got his name back, we did a Parliament album called Osmium with Holland Doja Holland. Stayed tied up there for years and ended up on Castle Blanca with Neil Bogart. Yeah, know, I was going to say, how did you how did you meet Neil Borgart, and how did you stay out of the disco fray? Because oh, everything yeah, that I'm, Neil did was theater and disco. disco. How did you stay before, out of that? Before that, before that, Neil was the king of bubblegum. Remember, Neil did he had Buddha records. Oh, oh wow! Okay, yeah, he yeah, had Buddha yeah. records, and he had Gladys Knight in the fifties, the Stair Steps, and Curtis Mayfield, and all of that. Neil had that label first. Then he had Hot Wax with Holland Doja Holland, which was the uh, honeycomb. So he wanted us to be on his label when he had hot, when they had Hot Wax, you know Holland Doja Holland. But they put us on Invictus, so we missed Neil. A couple of years later, when we got up for Invictus, I looked Neil up, and he had a new label called Casablanca. He took us and Kiss. And done at the same time. Wow! Really? And we all went three different directions, and he was so hot. They went to the disco thing, and no, I wasn't going. The closest I got to <laughs> disco was Knee Deep. That was my dad yeah. rescued dance music from the blogs. You know, I like <laughs> disco. I like disco, but I didn't want to do the same beat on every song. Each, <laughs> you know, there was a Civil Convention. I, I was a Civil Convention freak. You know, I really? Love the, the, you like Get Up and Boogie? 
You know, but you can't you can't do every song like that. Mm-hmm. That's what that was my own thing. They had measuring your heartbeat and when you start fucking with music like that, it it no, it gets um you have to pack packs that shit in. You know. <laughs> so is that okay, because also probably the most notable thing about your 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 concerts versus you're probably the only act I know that will do a song slower in concert <laughs> than you do on the album. The, the anytime I've ever seen Dr. Funkenstein performed in any of those like those 70s uh concerts, you guys go half the speed of that. And each song is like 14 minutes, like longer, way longer and way slower. <laughs> is there, like, were you- We, get, we, got, we got that from, you ever see Bela Kute? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. They used to do songs all day long. For, for, for an hour. One, one song. <laughs> they, they, they start on song and be in the afternoon and be dust, and they be still playing another version of that same song, all kind of, and we used to do that Back in the 68, 69, when we first started Funkadelic, it was a groove, like a boom, 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 boom. And we vamped that shit forever. And people were so fucked up that they was just, we always fucked up. So everybody just enjoyed the groove all, you know, and it well, took us a few years. We got reels of the same song. Randy Chemical <laughs> They reels of the same we song. We got reels. We got they put up another reel and we keep going. Uh, and you tape them shits together. It's just one long reel. We got <laughs> we, you know how they say they have twenty four tracks. Yeah. We had seventy two tracks. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. So I feel silly because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa! Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So... Check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ah, oh, man, now we're doing rapid fire. Yeah, yeah dude, it's... Okay, this, okay I'm really gonna, gonna, I'm no other way to do this. Yeah. Can, you, can you explain how Pedro Bell comes into the system oh. and... Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. When I moved to Toronto, he used to, he used to you know, fan, he used to write me letters, you know, as a fan, and he would draw on the envelope. Wow. And on the envelope, it looked just like the album covers. The whole cartoon, whatever that he would draw, he would draw it on the envelope. The postmaster general thought I was part of some kind of organization, and they was getting upset with me, but, you know, was I asking me, was I part of some, and I told him, no, blah, blah. But then I said, I want this dude to do the album now. So if it draws that much attention, and it sounded so clever. He was right out of high school. I contacted him, and he did, had him do Cosmic Slop. Yes. And, um, That's what was the first from, from then on, it was like, I would have to tell him the story of what I'm talking about. Right. And he would give me his interpretation of whatever that meant to him and his in his own weird ass language. <laughs> he, could write, he could write his ass off. You know, but he did it intentionally. The same way he could draw draw, he could paint a picture that looked like a, a photograph. Okay, but he was mm-hmm. he was fed up with that. He he didn't like doing that. So he did his own Pedro Bell art and his own Pedro Bell language. And that was funny <laughs> to hear his interpret. And I got him when I did an album called Some of My Best Jokes of Friends. Some of My Best Jokes of Friends, yes. I did that. He said, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, you come up with what you think I think, what I think I'm talking about. That was the funniest one of all, because I didn't give him nothing to go on. He would do the commentary and, and all the, the the mythology on that. Yeah, yeah. Was that all you or him? Inside, me and him, yeah, that- I'm telling what I'm, I'll tell him what I'm talking about, but he would interpret it and put it in his language. Speaking of cosmic slop, okay, I, th- a question I always wanted to know: the first time that I ever heard cosmic slop was in the most unlikely platform. I first heard cosmic slop on the Cosby Show. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Of which, which episode? Robert and Vanessa uh-huh. I remember that. are doing their homework. Shut up. And I hear yeah. Cosmic Slop. And this is, you know, it's so weird because, you know, now. Bill, Bill was a punketeer. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he introduced us to a lot of music. Let's not get it twisted. No, he, he Come definitely on. was. Come on. He definitely was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry, no. Wait, Fonte. Yeah, he was a fucketeer out there. Yes, he was. <laughs> that's, 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 that's one way we could describe it. <laughs> that's one way. <laughs> Okay, okay. Right. That, that, was, that was revenge. Okay, <laughs> so, so the thing is, right. yeah, when, and you know, I let it. I didn't know what it was, but 
it was it was during the era in which like VCRs like at first started infiltrating everyone's household and you record uh, every show on the show. And so I recorded and watched that episode like 42 times. So uh my history teacher tells me, yeah, that's Funkadelic Cosmic Slop. And you know, it really didn't hit me until I started digging in the crates. And then once I heard the the lyric output, of course, you know, Cosmic Slop's about a sort of a regretful mother that's treated like a Jezebel right. in the neighborhood because she has to turn right. tricks to feed her kids. And I'm like, how did this song wind up on the Cosby show? Did you have any warning whatsoever that they used that song so prominently on that episode? No, I was surprised when I heard it too, but I knew he I know he 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 like you know he, he was in Detroit for a while himself with a record label, so he knew about it. It didn't it didn't surprise me. Wow. So speaking of TV, while we're on the TV movie side, House Party, your count your uh <laughs> your cameo on House Party as the DJ. How did how was oh, that yeah. like working with Kid and Play? That was real fun. I still see Play out here in Tallahassee. He comes here a lot. Fam, you, but uh, Reggie like, Hudlin. That was his when he first got out of college. He is the you know, biggest his, his, fan ever. Yes. Yeah. He, he his mother told me she, he was like that when he was a kid. That he had posters wow. and stuff. She thought I, you know, because that skirt I had on on um, one of those uh, posters. She said she in the wig. I had the wig on. She she didn't know what was going to happen to him. <laughs> 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 and um, that's the same thing. Same thing with Humpty. He had that same poster. His mother said she he used to carry it around with him. <laughs> oh, Shock G. Shock G. Shock G. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. my boy. So seeing all those groups that you influenced, man, like what was that like for you? Did you feel like inspired by it? Did you feel like they were copying? Like what was your relationship? I know, I, you know, I love it. You know, you definitely you gonna feel good as hell. You know, but it was <laughs> always always like the one to be like Motown, you know, all the different artists that was around. There was family. That, that was a hell of a place. We used to just ride by there and watch them all in the front yard. Mm-hmm. So many stars. And that's the way we felt, you know, with Bootsy, Roger. A lot of people don't know we did Roger more about to the ounce. You know, mm-hmm. all you talk of that. about making that record? Like, how? That was Funky Bounce, the song he had called Funky Bounce. We took yeah. the little snippet of the first part of that song and cut tape. We copied it, copied it, cut it with a tape, copied it, copied it, cut it, and then tape, tape, and tape it together. Then so we had you sampled 30 seconds. <laughs> we sampled it. They didn't have right. a sampling machine yet. So, so we just looped it. Know, just looped it, just cut that little piece until we got like th- uh, 10 seconds or something like that. And then we looped around a pencil around the head of a two-track machine and just let it loop around it until we got 10 minutes of it. For ten minutes, and then put that on two on the uh, twenty-four track, and on the track, and then call Roger back in. He hated it. What? <laughs> because wow. It, what? He hated. Oh, he hated it. What? But we that was the deal. We we gave him the deal. Yeah, that's when we, we got him his deal. That it wasn't that we had to use Zap as the name because that's his younger brother. I told him make up another. He didn't want it to be Roger. Wow. He said, make, mm. I said, make up another name. You know, it, it, there's some money for you. Just, we was waiting. His record was going to be on Uncle Jam. Remember? Uh, yeah, Uncle, Uncle Jam, Jam Records, right. Yeah, his record was going to be on there. So we, we made Zap just in the meantime so he can get some money. 
we put it out and the record hit so big, <laughs> they had to become zapped and he hated it. What was his circle back to you? That's a hell of a throwaway. What was his circle back to you after that? Like after it hit, what was he? He was like, they ended up leaving. (laughs) They was big. (laughs) They was they were so big. (laughs) They were so big. And then we then they put out. I did Grapevine. You did that. The Grapevine, more about, um, and there's one more. uh, uh, Only have eyes for you. you Right. Yeah. He's covered that. Right. Yeah. I just I just started them to doing it. I didn't finish it with them, but and there's one that Wilson picking up. I got which one. I midnight had a, hour. a thing about midnight, midnight hour. hour. Grapevine midnight hours and and um I thought those songs you could always do and and get you know get on the radio back at that time and he ended up doing them all and they worked pretty good for him. Did you work on the the Roger solo album as well, or just the first zap? That was that was that was the the album that was supposed to have been on Uncle Jam. That was Uncle Jam's album. We paid. So we do it, Roger. Work. Do it. All that stuff is. All that stuff was done for Uncle Jam. That's it. Wait, hold up. As you can see, we are just scratching the surface when it comes to the legendary and iconic George Clinton. So I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to split this thing in two. Coming up next Wednesday, part two of George Clinton. And if you think you found out something in this episode, <laughs> wait until episode two. Yeah, part two of our sit down with George Clinton. Quest Love Supreme Heart Radio and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, it's Sugar Steve from Questlove Supreme. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So, check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.